Hi everyone, and welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid with faculty on their time as a student. These are the conversations that profs and students should have, but can't. Exploring the intersecting needs of students, faculty, the education system, and the job market as a whole. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Whiteboard Podcast. Today, my guest is Vu Song Vu. Vu is a Toronto-based art director at John Street. He graduated from Humber's AdGraph in 2020 and started out his career in the ad land at the beginning of the pandemic. Before John Street, he interned and worked at Mackie Bernacki for a year. And uh, in addition to a designer, he's a self-taught illustrator. Off work, Vu enjoys long walks, boiling showers, expanding his retro Asian playlist, constantly looking for the next dumb ideas to pitch to his partner and creative director, or having mental breakdown trying to come up with uh, a bio such as this. Vu, um, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Eric. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. It's the last time I saw you would have been at the very beginning of the pandemic. So for us yes. here in Toronto, that was, you know, roughly March 2019. Uh, and they shut down classes in our last, I don't know, our third last week, maybe. I was in the basement of uh, the ELF building. Oh, I missed that so much. Um, so like just working with my classmates and then we're still like, like panicked. I like wouldn't know what to do. I, I remember I was just pretty, pretty chill. Like, yeah, well, like I like school, I like going to school and then, you know, just be patient and, you know, and eventually they put it, um, everything on hold, like on campus. And then we stayed at home for like, until now, how long was it? Uh, well, that was March, 2019. So that for me, that's four semesters right uh summer oh, all yeah. winter summer so actually two academic years rough yeah yeah i guess so yeah oh, no, yeah, like one good. like we, we yeah. cannot do math <laughs> so being at school you know pre pre pandemic was a little bit different um when you were commuting and traveling to class and working in groups inside labs and outside of labs and at home and going to work um how was it managing that school work and, and social life? Yeah, it, it was quite a challenge for, I would say like for the first week, because, you know, you've got like a new schedule, you've got the assignments, you know, you, you have to navigate through the whole, you know, campus, um, which is not that huge. But then back in the time, to me, it was kind of pretty complex. And then the, uh, the other side of the campus, too. Um, and also like the bus schedule, the weather, all that kind of things. Um, I, I was living... Um, an hour, I have to plan things out um, in advance, or well, that's how I, I I did it, and I am still doing that now. I'm I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, I still had that habit because um, in the long run, it it really helps you in terms of keeping track of like of of your work, of your daily routine, of like um, the other things too, like appointments or like uh, things that came up out of nowhere. And then you have to kind of find way to navigate around. So yeah, that's a lot of like planning, a lot of um, adapting to the environment. Um, yeah, that, that, that's just me. That's how I, I manage things. Well, how do you know how, what to get ahead of, right? How do you know what to plan? And how did you figure out, okay, this is how I need to get to get to class. This is where the schedules are, that kind of thing. Like getting to class and commute um, wouldn't be a trouble. Like after a week, then I, I got used to all of those things. And even if I arrived late, then, you know, it, it didn't really matter. Um, 
Like I, I still mm. had everything in control, especially like assignments and that kind of thing. So speaking of assignments and how, you know, we managed that, how I personally managed that. So um, I remember back when I was at school, um, they always gave us the um, like this notebook on the, or the orientation day uh, with like all the mm. kind of like uh, calendar, you know, like weeks and then days and like plans out for you. Um, and then you you have like the bullet points of like, you know, you know, when the tuition fee uh, is due, like when the first day of the semester um, occurred, that kind of thing. So um, I use that to kind of like keep track of my um, my school works mainly. Um, and, and I'm an overthinker. I need to, you know, pretty much to get ahead of things or I'll, I'll be super overwhelmed. Um, so like on my, um, my first semester, I, I managed that pretty well. Um, I kept everything like all the schedules and then all the deadlines in that notebook and uh, i try to you know write write things down like um you know task i need to do you know so today i need to finish you know this essay today i need to kind of like finish this file that kind of thing um so it's just yeah it's, it's coming back to like planning things out it's interesting to me that you're that's like the struggles that you're describing as a student like they don't, they don't go away, mm -hmm. right? Like, how am I going to get to work? It takes too long to get yeah. to work. When are things due? What what projects am I juggling? Um, you know, it, like I feel like if if you if you come away from school being to do being able to do anything, yeah, it should be being able to like handle your life. Mm -hmm, I agree. Yeah, yeah. At least for me, at least for me. Were you working at the same time? I didn't work during my first year, but on my in my second year, I had a part time job as an online interpreter so um it's lucky for me because i didn't have to commute to work because uh, my job is based online so um i i would either you know bring my stuff to school and then find a uh, like an empty classroom to work or like i would go home and then work so i save a lot of time in terms of like commuting um that job gave me a lot of like it, it's very flexible so I, I just signed up for shifts and then mm. i i worked and i i didn't have to uh, commute so like there's no kind of like late night, you know, it gave me the flexibility mm -hmm. to, you know, plan things out and also like um, really focusing on, you know, on, on my goal, which is to finish my studying. You know, uh, that's really making me think about some of my practices where uh, if you can, if, if you're handling multiple design contracts at the same time, being able to do them in the same place. So I'm thinking of like your school mm -hmm. is one design contract, your interpret your interpreter work is another design contract. The fact that you can do them in the same space without having to move around is a huge benefit, right? To be able to, to plan your life that way. Say it's it's like a miracle or or even like an irony because um so I, I went to school and then I worked at the same time too, but then my work was based online and then COVID happened. So pretty much and I was like I, I didn't have any sort of like shock you know like yeah I, I, I knew like I what I need to do like right away so right. it's just like you know now I don't have to go to school now I don't have to you know um, to catch the bus or like go on a subway that kind of thing so I just have to stay home and then you know here's the time that I need to work on my school stuff and here's a time for me to work you know my job it's 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 amazing that like that job kind of like um, allowed me to 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 really focus on again like on my goal instead of like you know making money so yeah 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 that's cool i, I was lucky enough to have work mm -hmm. on campus as well oh, that's cool. I, uh, yeah i worked in the writing skills center so 
it just makes it easier to kind of blend those, you know, as you have mm -hmm. as an individual, as a user, as a student, you have conflicting needs, right? Um, and yeah. this is, it, it was kind of a nice marriage of those synthesis of those needs. Um, it can be stressful too, worrying about money and worrying about grades and sometimes feeling like you're picking mm -hmm. between one or the other. I definitely note that I had to do that. And it takes a toll on your mental and physical well-being, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I would consider myself pretty lucky and blessed in terms of like how I manage my, you know, my, my work and then my school. It, it, it gave me enough money to live to. I'm not too stressed um, in terms of like, you know, like, like, like on a daily basis, like I have to, you know, do this and do that to get enough money to pay rent and to get food, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still stressed to some extent. Um, but, but for myself, I, I cannot compare myself to, you know, my other peers who, you know, has, you know, other jobs and, um, they would have to commute, you know, like 40 minutes, like from school, you know, to work and then from work back home and then have to do assignment and stay up all night, that kind of thing. So I have a huge like, admiration for them in terms of, you know, how, how they, you know, keep things together. Um, so like for me, I, I would be, I'd be super exhausted if, if, if I, you know, if, if I had to stay up all night, like I'm definitely not an IL. Um, I'm more a morning person and um, I, I need enough sleep and I need food for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty, like I have my daily routine. And I know what I should do in order to, you know, to have a, um, a good mental and physical well-being. You seem like a fairly regimented and organized individual. Do you ever find when something sort of crashes against mm -hmm. your organization or, you know, throws off your regimen? Um, how do you deal with that? How do you manage that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I would say it, it, it happens every now and then, and then it's inevitable. I just learned how to, like, how to adapt to it because things happen out of your control all the time. Even like when you plan things out, I mean, it, it's just for me, like when I plan things out, I, I have this sort of, um, like this kind of like reassuring, you know, sensation that I, I knew, I know like, okay, so I have to do like these things or else that I would, you know, I, I would miss the deadlines. I would, you know, um, miss this and miss that and that kind of thing. Like when things happen, you know, well, I just have to deal with it. Of course, like, I feel, I, I feel kind of stressed because definitely I don't feel comfortable changing my plans, especially when I have planned out, you know, like things and then uh, like important things so like finish an assignment or um, having a shift that I cannot change mm. or you know like having an appointment with like a doctor appointment mm. that kind of thing um, so like when things happen and then you have to change it you know it's it's uncomfortable it's inconvenient but yeah like what can you do right you just have to work things out and then find another solution which is um, also easier when you have things planned out in front of you because if not, then that would be quite a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like we all like to get sleep, but what do you do when an extra job comes in or something goes wrong in a print mm -hmm. shop or, you know, the client changes their mind um, at, you know, 530? It's <laughs> like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to make my bedtime today. And I mean, I, I guess the education system too um, could benefit from being 
a little mm -hmm. more flexible. I, I just, it's hard because for some reason, flexibility makes people uncomfortable because of the mm -hmm. uncertainty inherent to flexibility. Yep. So as an instructor, I'm always trying to sort of wrangle that. Um, I don't know if you have any tips for me about that. Well, I must say that you are one of the most flexible instructors at Humber at my time. And I, I, yeah, that's why we, we like you a lot. Not because like you're you're easy or like you're easy going. I mean you're easy going in terms of like you know social life and that kind of thing. Like it's it's it, it's easy to talk to you, um, but like and also like when like at school, um, doing assignments and that kind of thing. Like you you find ways to to sort of like push back things, especially like during you know crazy time, like you know right. at the end of the semester when everything is kind of accumulated. Like students and also you instructors, like you have a bunch of things to do like deadlines and then like assignments to grade and that, all that, all that sort of thing. I guess sometimes I wonder, you know, if I, if I move a deadline, then, you know, am I undermining mm -hmm. instructors who enforce deadlines, for example, or am I showing people a flexibility that doesn't exist yep. in the quote real world? Um, or if I'm flexible with specific mm -hmm. requirements on an assignment, do students feel like, yep. oh, I don't really understand what he's looking for. Um, those are kind of challenges with being mm -hmm. flexible that an instructor faces, and um, we don't have. Yeah, to but then them, no. I, um, I, I, I want to address that point because, um, so like when it comes to deadlines, I know it's like a fear of everyone, and people hate deadlines. I don't like deadlines, definitely, but you know we need it to to get things done. So like when you have a deadline, you know that you would have to finish your job by this time. And there's no way that, you know, you have, you would have to like work and then you have to uh, do whatever you need to do to get your job done, you know, by 6 p.m. tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, and then to me at school, um, it's good that instructors can be flexible in terms of timing and um, pushing back, you know, things every now and then. But um, I mean, in, in the long run, people need to understand that, you know, that that is not how, like how the industry works, because um, it, 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 it is not just us, you know, mm. who have to follow this deadline. It's like everyone, everyone has have to follow a deadline and a framework because people have different things going on. So if we set up like a deadline, um, let's try to stick to that deadline as much as possible. Um, so, so we know what to expect. So we know that by 6 PM tomorrow, um, I would have to deliver the file. You would have to deliver the script and then all that kind of thing so that we can move on to the next step. And, and also to, you know, to set aside time for, like you said, like unexpected things that happen out of, you know, out of nowhere, right. Then you, you would have to be, you know, juggle a lot of things. So without, without like, um, without a deadline mm -hmm. or without a schedule to stick to, then it, it would be difficult. And uh, also, um, in, I, I would say it, it, your, 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 your work efficiency would not be, you know, too productive. If you can meet the deadline, it's good. It's good for everyone. I'm thinking about some things I do mm -hmm. as, a, yeah. as a designer, as an employee designer, and as a freelancer. And even though, I'm not a project manager. 
um, usually, usually I have had project management roles, but as a designer, you kind of have to keep that project management level understanding as you go along. And like, mm -hmm. it kind of seeps in, in strange ways. You, you know, like someone, like you're working on a team, you're a graphic designer, the web guys tell you mm -hmm. they need these files, but they're not ready yet. And like, you kind of end up as this hub in the design process and you're waiting for things from other people and people are waiting for things for yes. you and the conference is on Wednesday yes. and it's Monday and it has to go to print Tuesday morning and the postcards have to hit. And it's like, you, if you want to keep it together as, as, mm -hmm. a, as the designer in the middle of all this, you have to right. take a little bit of control. And, you know, when someone says, um, hey, Eric, um, we need this by Monday. And, like, if you don't think it can be done by Monday, like, you need mm -hmm. to get your manager, um, you need to get their weight behind maybe something, right? You need to go to your manager yes. and say, hey, like, Mm -hmm. seriously concerned about this and if you have a good manager totally get the mountains out of, they'll move mountains yeah totally you, right? um so like communication it's very important and now you bring this up um it's it's same thing like so like right. in, in 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 real life in the industry and also at school too so communication it's very important um because you know like sometimes people um assign you with like things um but then people have limited time resources too then uh, like, like you said, like as a designer um, specifically, then you, you would have to kind of like mentally calculating, you know, like, okay, so let's say how much time do I need on this project? How much time I would need to revise mm -hmm. my file? How much time I would, you know, need to sort of like sleep on it and rethinking that kind of thing. If, if you want like a very good product um, and a good result, definitely if, if, if you feel like, you, you you know you, you cannot take it because like you already got a lot of things on your plate then yeah reach out go to your manager go to your you know your peers or your instructor your program coordinator and then you know voice your opinions and voice your concerns it's not a a sign of irresponsibility or like you know, like you, you cannot do this or that. But I, I used to be that kind of person. I mean, and I'm, I'm still now, like people give me works and then I really want to, you know, try my best and then um, do everything I can to finish it and then to, um, to contribute my labor um, to the team. Um, and I really, really, really don't like bothering mm. other people. But that is the point because if you know mm. that you cannot handle certain things, then you should tell people that you cannot. So everyone can find another solution. Everyone can, yeah, yeah. can 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 build yeah. up, you know, another new schedule or like delegate the task, then you know, to another person who is way more better at it. And then while you can focus on, you know, what you're doing, and then de deliver your best result without, you know, handling like 200 things at the same time, and then none of them were top notch. Yeah, and, and, you know, don't always assume that your supervisor or manager fully understands the scope of the project yes. they've given you. So sometimes, you know, I'll get asked to do something, maybe it's digital, and I'm working in a content management system, like it could be SharePoint, it could be yep. WordPress. And most things are like a couple button clicks, but sometimes for whatever reason, it's like, okay, this has to get coded out. I need to, you know override the existing style sheets and like all these all of a sudden like that small job becomes exactly. a big job and 
Yeah, and sometimes you don't know until you've said yes. But at that point, go like, I guess this is the thing. Like, these are the things that you plan, you plan, yeah. you plan, and then it's like, okay, plan's mm. got to change. But you need to talk about exactly, it. Right? Exactly, exactly. Because, um, so recently I am um, having this side hustle project. Um, I'm working on a branding for my aunt. So she's um, opening a new bubble tea shop in Switzerland. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know where. Like, so random. Is, is, is bubble tea, pop, is it there yet? Or is it like, popular there uh, yet? Or is it? Like... No, definitely not the first one. Um, they have bubble tea in Switzerland, but that is not popular, you know? It's not too popular in, in Switzerland or like in, in Europe in general. Not like here. Uh, it's an exciting, an exciting project. Um, and then I, I love working on it. But because like, I'm, I'm working on that um, with my nine to five job at my agency, so I only have like spare time during weekend. So like I, I would have to handle, you know, like the logo f for sure, like logo and then the concept and the branding. And recently I was working on the, um, I, I just finished um, the, uh, like the hoarding, the decoration you would put on the storefront and then on, on the windows, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so wow. it's, it's a lot of things to do. She wanted me to design like a standee so that people can, can go and then, you know, take a picture and take check in what, whatever and uh, menu, right. um, but I, I, I told her like, okay, auntie, um, you know, I, I really want to, because I, I really wanted to stick to the concepts and I need to over, I, I need to oversee, you know, like everything, um, but I cannot, you know, mm -hmm. sit here putting things together, like prepping printing files, because that is supposed to be the job of the studio. I, I, I cannot, you know, preparing like files yeah. for every single door frame because that's like too much work. It's, it's, it's not my expertise either, Yeah. right? The, the only thing I can do right. is to, to give ideas yeah. and then, you know, to, okay, so here's the idea. And then I lay things out and then give it to the, um, uh, to the studio and then so that they can bring it to life. Back, back to the point that like you, you should be aware of like, what are you capable of, what you can do and what you cannot. So, and then say yes or say no. Because like once you say yes, then you've got to, got to stick to it right you got to take responsibility and you better do your job well yeah i feel that i feel that i feel that pressure but i also feel that like power um so you said something you said that um that you're not like the the production design kind of work is something you're moving away from and you're more about you know having the ideas and figuring out what works and figuring out what looks good and it sounds to me a little bit like the journey from uh, designer into art direction? For me, um, production um, and, you know, ideation. So they, they go hand in hand. And then, so production is like the next step of the ideation because without production, you cannot bring your, your ideas to life, right? For example, I have ideas for, you know, for the logo, um, for the color, for, the, you know, the typography and how the brand should look. So I would you know, put my visual down on paper or like on the computer screen. And then I show them to the experts who is um, excelled, you know, who are excelled at, you know, printing or excelled at, I don't know, crafting. Then because for myself, uh, that, 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 that's not my expertise. I still have like this huge, huge fear for printing or like for any sort of like, production errors that people would come to me and like 
like, hey, this file doesn't work. Oh. Like, what kind of color is this? Like, how come, you know, like, this file is, like, two millimeters higher than, you know, like, the plan? And, like, that drives me, like, crazy. And then that gives me PTSD because, yeah. you know, I, I'm, not good with, I'm not good with number, so. Did you listen to the podcast with, um, uh, with uh, Eden? Yeah, Eden is a production designer now. He's the guy asking. He's the guy asking you to fix your files now, yeah, and he covered some of the exact things that you just said. You you worry about. Uh, Eden said those are some of the things that he deals with. But that's a healthy. I think that's a healthy fear to have, and I share that that fear. What is the difference between a designer and an art director? Ooh, million dollar question. Designer in charge of um, the visual asset of you know of a project. And you would building a file, um, figuring out like the typography, that kind of thing. And and then you, I, how do I put this together? You're like the doer. I mean, both are like doers, um, but like designer more. You know, you're more like that type of um, yeah, uh, yeah. Like you execute things. So you're more you're executing a lot more. Mm. And um, so art director, mm. in my experience, have the exact same skill set like designer. But art directors were more about um, trying to figure out like concept and um, seeing the project in a broader view in terms of the visual solution. Um, so yeah, we would have to figure out, you know, like, okay, so what style do we need to use for this project? Um, you know, and then what kind of media? Like stop motion? Is it animation? Is it live action? Um, so yeah, that, 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 that kind of thing, it's, it's, so art direction, it's, um, it's, it's more about art direction. Like you, you're giving direction. Would you say you give direction to the designers or the, give direction to the creative? It's more about, um, articulating and then articulating your, your, your vision. It's, it's, it's a broader responsibility. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Yeah, I, I get it. Like as an art director, you. You may be involved in the web page and the print material and the video and the radio spot. As a designer, you you might be the web designer who's focused on coding out the web page or creating the Figma wireframes. Yes. The print designer, you're you're actually building the brochure from the photography mm -hmm. assets and the pre-chosen fonts, mm -hmm. stuff like maybe something like yes. that. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Thank you for putting that together so well. So, did you do your internship? as a designer and then move into art direction? Nope, I didn't. Um, I, I, my, I interned at Mackie Bernanke um, as an art director, not a designer, but pretty much my task, it's, it's pretty design oriented. I, I, I build mm -hmm. a file, you know, and then I have to prep, um, you know, things, lay things out, that kind of thing. And then, you know, oversee the uh, like 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 the process and then mm -hmm. the printing file that kind of thing. Um, so it's uh, it's it's like a mix of both. Yeah. How often do you find that that line is pretty blurry? So I, I think that that is a good thing about uh, being an art director because, like you said, we're involved in you know all the process, and um, we would need to oversee things, and then um, so that that is when our designer um, ego would come in to sort of um, to like to, to spot things and to see 
you know, if the if this things works and if if this doesn't. So, but it's more about like seeing whether they have you know interpreted what your vision. Do you know what I mean? I think so. Uh, to be honest, Vu, you probably have more experience in a studio environment than I than I do. So. Um... <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. So I'm. I uh, no really. I, I've I've only worked with a, an agency for maybe three or four months. So uh, other than that, oh, I've okay. been freelance or, you know, short contracts with agencies, which were executed mm-hmm. mostly over email. Yep. So, uh, and and in house work. So that's actually my. Uh, oh okay. Well, pretty much me. Yeah. Same. Same. Same to me too. Like. Yeah, which was communicating like via email. I I I didn't go to the actual studio. Yeah. Maybe soon. But yeah, that's like my last uh, during my last year, and then it's just like that, you know. Everything is via email, a lot of calls and a lot of chats, mm-hmm. a lot of texts. Can I ask then how you how you got an internship in this digital environment? Other than the fact that your work, other than the fact that your work is just outstanding, and anyone who saw it um, would want to hire you. But <laughs> how did you get in front of the in front of the right people? So it's a lot of a lot of opportunity hunting. Um, so I would go, you know, on LinkedIn and then, you know, connecting to uh, like the alumni and connecting to, you know, people that I admired via, you know, um, their portfolios. And just, just cold calling, not cold calling, cold emailing, I guess? Mm, no, not really. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad at that. And then I, I think I haven't really done that before, like cold emailing. Nope. Um, but um, so I was just like, constantly looking for the opportunities for like portfolio review and like okay. like competition then um and where did you find some of these portfolio reviews so mainly on linkedin and uh okay either via linkedin or like via you know um the program coordinators lori and um, tiana yeah. they yeah, yeah. They, they gave out a lot of um constantly giving out a lot of you know like options and then you know opportunities and then so like contacts mm-hmm. that i you know um you know i i, I can i can reach out to um so yeah i i did quite a few interviews and portfolio reviews um but no one called me back um which is a shame then just like one day out of nowhere i received this email from um mark benaki which was my cd right and one of the, one of the two cds at uh, max benaki so he um, he emailed me then he said that he saw my portfolio on um, the um, Humber Adam Graph, like online site that we put together like last year. So he, he, he asked me uh, if I want to have an interview and I said yes, immediately, because that was like the beginning of the pandemic and then everyone was, you know, so anxious and then everyone was constantly looking for a job. So I caught that and it turned out that um, my copywriter partner right now, um, Sean, Sean Petra, um, he he reached out to Maki Benaki before to to ask for like a portfolio review and then to ask for the, an internship. So back then, Maki Benaki they didn't uh, intend to have any, like to offer an inter, an internship. But then Sean reached out and then they kind of like changed their mind. So um, they ended up hiring him. So because he's a copywriter, so they needed another uh, like art director to 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 pair up with him so yeah they went on the website and then they saw my 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 portfolio and then that's how i got my internship and this was this was a copywriter who you worked with 
as a student at Humber. We never met in real life. <laughs> oh yeah. wow! And then yeah, we're, we're, we're working together now. Then when I when when I moved to John Street, and I I I brought him too. So we're technically a team. That's that's so cool. Um, and you're like the probably the third or fourth to to have a similar story. Um, Jennifer called it um, sideways networking. Oh, sideways networking. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and just, just yeah, like helping helping the people, like helping the guy next to you or the girl next to you, um, rather than looking for that, like I don't know, some other route. Because um, often, like when you think about moving forward, you don't think about the people beside you being able to enable that because like they're where you are. So how could, mm-hmm. you know, how could they create change in my life? But. Um, my experience is uh, is that the people beside you are the ones who can do the most mm-hmm. to make, you know, to make change in your life. That's interesting. Um, yeah, to me, I, I'm I'm not sure if I would call that a sideway networking in my case. Um, yeah, pretty much how I ended up in um, like at Maki Benaki because of my copywriter partner, I had an internship at Maki Benaki, and then I ended up working with him. And then because of me, uh, uh, I, you know, worked with him and then uh, we were a team. So back, mm-hmm. in, back in the time uh, when we were, having an, I, we were having an interview at John Street, um, so mm-hmm. because we were a team, so, you know, that's why I, I, I brought him because um, um, I, I, I cannot do things on my own as an art director. Um, so yeah, let, let me just bring this up real quick because in the advertising industry, I think everything is done by like every project, every campaign. It's a work of a team, um, mm-hmm. not like a, not not like an individual work or like an individual's contribution. Everyone has a credit, um, so and then people have different um, like skill sets to make that happen. So I need a copywriter to help, you know, articulate, you know, ideas and help to sell ideas, you know, in words, in text, in charge of the, like the visual and then the, the art direction, like it goes hand in hand. Yeah, to- totally. Um, you, you cannot, you cannot do it all on your own. Mm-hmm. And even if you could, I don't think it would be as good I mean, there's the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, bring friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You need people to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you need like, I, I, have, I have this like theory about uh, creativity or the, the generation of new ideas, which is what, which is what we do as designers, right? Mm-hmm. We get a blank piece of paper and we have to make something out of that, like on that, out of that, mm-hmm. which, you know, achieves all sorts of goals. Um, and so like, I have the ideas that I have, right. Yep. And, um, one of the ways, one of the ways I define, um, diversity is how different your ideas are from mine. And those ideas could come from like experience or like, who knows, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this idea of, of diversity on a design team, to me, one of the things it means is having more ideas to choose from, mm-hmm. which is more options, which means out of those options, one of them is going to be the awesome, like, 
or one confluence of ideas will be the sort of river that carries all of us into, you know, this amazing piece of creative, mm. um, which is like a, an interesting way to think about uh, working as a team or like why you should value a team mm -hmm. rather than thinking you're going to do it alone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got what you mean to me and also in, in my experience, it, it only works out if you have a team to me because yeah. uh, so like I'm, I'm speaking from um, my perspective in the advertising industry, like definitely there's no way, maybe like a very, very little chance that you can make something um, like groundbreaking on your own. Um, but like if a killer idea is, um, you know, killer concept, that kind of thing. It's 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 a it's a result of a lot of thinking from a lot of people in a team. Um, so yeah, maybe like one day, you know, you came up with like this kind of like very genius idea, and then you sort of like be the hero of the team. But yeah, may, maybe that that is uh, that that's 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 a very rare occasion. So most of the time, to me, I think like when a team comes together, and then like you said, we have a lot of different inputs, and then we have like a diverse, you know, amount of like ideas because you see you see things different, I see things diff different. So like all of those things come together, and then it creates something, you know, like a hot pot. Mm -hmm. Like a hot pot. Yeah. All right, like the food. Yes, yes. exactly. Food is amazing. Yes. So like you, you try things and then, um, you know, people like A has his idea, B has his idea, and then C has his sayings, D has his visual, and then we're just kind of like um, calm things up together. And then we join to sort of like a, like a brainstorm session. And then everyone is just like being super mm -hmm. random about, you know, a lot of things. And then we, everything comes in together to create, you know, something right. great. So Vu, you are an international student, mm -hmm. um, and so that means you, like, had you lived in Canada or been to Canada before you came to Humber? Um, so I came to Canada in 2018, so that was like okay. three years ago from Vietnam. I'm Vietnamese, and uh, so before going to Canada, I've never been abroad before, so this is technically, technically like my first, like, international experience ever wow and did you choose the college like over the internet like how do you mm. how does that even happen <laughs> why Humber? so yeah like I, I did a lot of research on you know schools and then colleges that i i i i, I want um initially Humber wasn't in my list because um i was looking for like like ocap or like ryerson or or like the Emilica uh, Design School in Vancouver. Um, so I was looking, yeah. you know, for like a more, how do you say that, like a more... Prestigious university, four-year. Yeah, kind of like university. Yeah. yeah, like a bachelor degree, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But then I need to look back to my uh, reality, which I don't have a lot of money, and there's no way that I can afford um, like a, that amount of money to cover my whole four year at school. So that's when um, I uh, reached out to like the agency. So uh, we, we have like um, agency who's having like connection with um, the school networks in Canada or like in the US or like all over the world. We have that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's kind of like a counseling in charge of like the study abroad um, 
um, services and that kind of thing. So I reached out to them and then they gave us, uh, they gave me some options like, okay, so, um, you know, judging by your um, financial, then, you know, we recommended you to go for like a, uh, like college. So they, they gave yeah. me some options like Humber and then George Brown. And I compared those two. Um, and I asked a lot of people like, you know, which one is better, um, which one is cheaper. Um, and then eventually I ended up with Humber. And I never regretted that. Oh, that, that is great to hear. Um, um, so your main factors were cost and let's say like academic reputation? I would say cost. Cost is like the most important to me because, um, you know, it's, it's life. Uh, there's no way that yep. I can go here without, you know, um, having like a financial plan and then preparing, mm -hmm. you know, um, the certain amount of money for me to go here. And then second of all, um, that, that's like an old story. So like, yeah, like reputation because like back home, um, you know, I, I was brought up with this mindset of like, okay, so you need to graduate with like a bachelor degree to get a job. Mm. And that's how like people would hire mm. you. But when I came here and then now it's, it's, it's completely nonsense to me because, uh, I was hired not because of my degree, not because of my bachelor degree. Like I, I finished with a diploma. Mm. So it's, 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 it's different. Like when I came here and then, um, yeah, so I would say the second factor for me, so like cost, and then I would say um, experience. Definitely, mm -hmm. there's no way for me to know the real experience, like when I was in Vietnam, but I make sure that I asked a lot of questions. I reached out to as many people as I can, um, go to like, you know, on the internet to read reviews and then forums and then, you know, read comments on school and then on the programs and that kind of thing to make sure that, you know, if I'm choosing the right program or not. You know, I'm really happy you mentioned that you were hired for not just your not just your uh, degree, mm -hmm. because it it wasn't until I started talking to international students, not not just involving Humber, but like the the wide world of school of post secondary education, yep. that I realized that we have something pretty special in Canada, which is that yes, like U of T is super respected, and like Queens is where all the best engineers go, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But we don't we don't privilege um, institutions and degrees the way the rest of the world does yes, here. Yes, yes. And I didn't know how special it was until people started telling me. Um, and I'm kind of seeing it creep a little bit to the point where we are like no one in Canada. Well, I'm, I don't want to speak for all Canadians, mm -hmm. but you don't see Canadians, you know, opening their acceptance letters and just having a breakdown because it's not the right school. Mm -mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And the only way we'll keep that is if employers look beyond that degree mm -hmm. and start looking at the individual, you know, um, and their, and their uh, outputs. Yes. I really, I just really hope we don't learn that. So I uh, uh, lose that. So anyone mm -hmm. listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Like I, I completely agree with you because you know, like, back home like, it's all about the degree it's all about that bachelor degree you get and then or like a master degree or like phd um it mm. it works for you know for certain fields so for example like medical field or like law and that you know those things like you you, you need like a degree 
like to prove um, your expertise, right? Um, I have no idea. Yeah, like I don't know. Like I definitely, I'm, I'm not speaking for everyone right now. Like it's just from experience. Like at least to me, mm -hmm. um, when I planned out my studying and my career path, um, I look at the um, the practical side of it. So I would look at it like, okay, so when I get this degree, when I'm done with this program, would I be, would I be able to get a job? Mm -hmm. So that is like my priority when choosing a program. Mm -hmm. And so I look, um, I, I, I was looking for a practical pathway rather than an academic pathway. I have to say, I, I, I... I had the same experience as a student. I only did the two-year design program. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and because it was just like, I, I want to get out. It, like, I want to start working. Mm -hmm. so, oh, my. So, so when you, yeah, and like, and when you got here, I mean, did, did you know anyone in Canada? Like, did you have friends or how did you find, did you seek out mentors? Um, did you, how did you network? I came here. Um... Technically, I, I, I don't have any family member here. Um, I, I, I do have um, some of my mom's friends um, who used to live in uh, Toronto, and now she moved to uh, BC, Vancouver, and another one who's still um, staying here. So they've been helping me out a lot during my, uh, my, my, my first year um, in, in Canada. But other than that, I, I was just building everything from scratch. Like I start new, you know, social networking and relationship with everyone. So for other for other international students, any avenues they should explore? Any tips? Yeah, that that is one of the reasons I want to bring this up because when I first came here, um, I didn't really have any kind of like like a mentor, like you said, um, who sort of like who speak the same language and then who's having the same career goal. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I knew. Uh, there are a lot of like people like mentors and the mentorship program for like um specific specifically for vietnamese students um but like for um for students in the creative industry and especially in design and in advertising i haven't seen a lot um so i i, I kind of like want to have this as an opportunity to you know to to voice my opinions and then to um to to to, to make sure that like um for for the uh, newcomers that you know, in my experience, and maybe that should be help. That that would be helpful for you. So, uh, tips and avenues. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not. I'm. I'm not that person who who party a lot or like who explore a lot of things. Uh, mainly, it's just just like when my friends drag me, you know, to a new place, and I follow them. Yeah. So your friends, just friends you met in class. Yeah, which turned out to be my uh, soulmates. Um, I have a lot of good friends, best friends. Shout out to you guys. Love you guys. That's, that's, that was honestly, that, that was such a good, I was so lucky that that was my first year teaching. Yep. And I was so lucky to have that group because you were all just off, like so chill and so talented. Yeah. That yeah. It really made my life easy. But, really yeah, easy. I miss it. I miss, I miss your class. I miss everyone. Oh man. Okay. All right. So, you know, you said something about, I forget the exact expression you, you used, but um, being vocal and being heard. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that changes when you're, as you say, an, a newcomer. Right. So for me, when I, when, when I came here, I didn't really have any difficulty in expressing myself or like voicing my concerns. 
mainly because like I um, my, my, my language is um, my, my English is enough to survive and then I, I got through school um, pretty um, uh, well um, but I, I know that for some of my friends um, who came here and then uh, they didn't have um, they didn't really know that language the language well so when they want to say something in class or when they have a difficulty in that, that kind of thing they they rarely speak up um because you know they, they don't know how to express themselves um mm. and also even even if they do even if they have the language ability to do so then it's, it's just the mindset you know of um of, of us of like Vietnamese I don't want to say in Asian in general but like at least for Vietnamese because like when I was um, back in the primary school and then secondary school and then high school like we were taught to be you know to be obedient and we were taught to be you know to stay silent in class um, and then yeah like teachers would like ask us to you know to raise our hands and then to say something but then we rarely do because you know, no one really has uh, the gut. <laughs> I guess it's really up to instructors to never forget that we have to set the tone while being respectful of what other people are used to. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to be vocal about the fact that if you have a question, if you have a problem, if you're following whatever it is, or maybe you just have valuable input. Yep. Um, like, I need to be clear that I invite that mm -hmm. if I do, in fact, invite that mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I, I agree um, because I had amazing instructors at school. So at least for me, I felt that I'm listened to, I'm heard. Like the instructor um, need to be mindful in terms of like how to how to give the students a chance to, you know, to say things and to speak up for themselves and then to, you know, to express themselves if they have any difficulty, um, which um, yeah, people um, during my time at Humble did very well, like at least to me. It's definitely comforting to hear that, you know, I'm part of a team that's doing well. Yeah. I appreciate you saying so. I'm not paying Vu to say so. <laughs> um, nope. But I wish I, I'm paid. <laughs> yeah. You just, it, it's one of those things where I could be doing something so wrong and I would never know. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I'm always worried about that. Um, it's tough. Um, and you know, the thing is that like, it, like being, being heard and being seen yep. is an advantage, no matter who you, who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if you're an international student, it may be even harder to be seen and heard. At least there are challenges, which are, which, are, which you experience that uh, someone who grew up here doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. It's like a mechanic in our sort of international mindset, I would say. Um, especially if you're from, you know, if you're from Asia, um, so like we tend to be, you know, more shy and then more as being seen as like an introvert. I am introverted. So like I, I came here and then I figured out very, very early that I need to make myself heard or else that like I would fall back in class and I could not collaborate well with my classmates and, you know, thinking broadly. I would not do well, you know, with my social life if I just keep things to myself. Mm -hmm. And if I if I didn't, you know, reach out to the instructors or the program coordinators um, to say my opinions or to you know to express my concerns for my health, 
or you know anything in you know in 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 the school and then just like life in general then you know it it wouldn't it would do more harm than good to to myself hmm. so and I, I i want to use this chance to encourage um like international students especially who is going to you know go to study in canada that you know, don't be afraid to reach out um don't be afraid to express yourself even if you don't speak the language that well um just say something if you feel like you have to if you feel like you want to then say it because there there were a lot of incidents that international students especially in my vietnamese community um they got into you know like trouble with the police or like with the officers because they didn't know um how to handle the situation and then sometimes i knew of people who were being assaulted and they didn't say anything because they didn't want quote unquote trouble on themselves oh my goodness yeah so i would say just reach out if you if you have like difficulty if you have concerns if you feel like you're being threatened if you feel like you're falling behind you know in class if you're feeling like you are you're you're not having things under control or you feel like you know you you cannot do it definitely reach out and then there are people who are willing to listen and i'm sure that the instructors and then the program coordinators should stress that more thank you for that i mean thank you for that i think um i mean i don't i just when you talk about i mean i think of it this from a classroom scenario mm -hmm. but i mean how can you do well in the classroom when your identity is causing you to be assaulted or not being comfortable around um the police yes um um but you know if anything happened on campus to someone you know mm -hmm. um they should definitely it's never too late to report that exactly yeah everyone should i mean that goes for anything anyone from anywhere mm -hmm. um but it's never too late to report these things yeah say yeah just just say things and because you know if if you don't reach out then no, no one would know and like if you if you if you reach out it's better than nothing like they would either give you a solution or just giving you like mental support which is important when you're alone here and then you need that you know to do well or to survive you know in 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 at in school in life in general wow i'm i'm speechless oh yeah I, i was i wasn't trying to make it political so i'm sorry if i did it's just something you don't know and you do better at knowing these things but it's something you don't think about until someone who knows more than you tells you yep yeah i, I yeah know? i i i just want to let people know that you know things happen and it's still and we're trying as much as possible to give support to people um to give the voiceless the voice or being their voice um because I, i i really want people to 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 be aware of you know like what is happening and um it is it's not something that we can just like sweep it under the floor under the carpet i mean because you know it's real and yeah people need help yep oh, yeah i didn't mean to 
it is like heavy. <gasps> uh, don't don't worry about it. This is this is this is important. And actually, in a couple weeks, I'm talking to another Humber grad named uh, Jimmy Bataglia, mm -hmm. and he I don't know too much about what he does, but he started his startup is a company that helps international students start new businesses in mm -hmm. their new country. Oh, it's amazing. It, it, I, yeah, I don't know anything about it, but I, I knew that I heard that this was an important thing to you, and clearly it's an important thing to him. That's awesome, okay. yeah. Yeah, because um, we, because we, I, I empathize with that. Um, I, I didn't go through like a lot of difficult times or like having those hardships, but my friends right. did. So um, the only thing I, I, I could do for them was to mentally support them and then to, you know, to say things for them that they they weren't able to say or they they didn't feel comfortable enough to say so that's the least i can do presentation skills are something i wish i had more tools to enable international mm -hmm. students who are uncomfortable presenting in english um mm -hmm. yep the presentation skills is utterly important i would say for any any type of job especially in the advertising industry or in the creative industry because you need presentation skills to sell your ideas, to persuade the clients, to you know, to, to to go forward with your solution. Interview. Exactly. I still remember my first presentation at Humber on my first semester, in my in my second week in English. It's just a lot of things to handle emotionally. Um. But yeah, like um, I, I, I got through it. Um, like, I, I, I'm sorry, I feel like, a, I feel like a hypocrite to, to say this because uh, I, I didn't really have like the difficulty to express myself, but I know that um, we, we have that fear, you know, international students or people who are, who are speaking English as a second language. We always have that internal fear that when we say something, um, you know, it would either be like, Oh, like, did I say that wrong? Did I did I use the correct vocabulary? You know, did I put the you know like the words in the correct syntax, or did I mess it up? Did I sound awkward? That kind of thing. Like, it's I want to say it's natural, and just the fact that you can present in another in in another language is amazing. Yeah, but I I do really want to reassure, especially international students, you're in a safe zone to present because you know we, we all understand i understand and i i'm sure the instructors understand too because this is such like a melting pot of cultures like toronto you you have like people from all around the world speaking different languages and an accent so here is like the safe zone to present things and then to you know to speak um so the only thing you you would have to care about is to to have a style and then to get your point through and that's it yeah you do those two those two things you're good don't really have to worry about like like oh am i like giving a ted talk or that no. kind of thing nope we don't yeah. have to I, and i have never ever i mean i'm i have never even thought about like producing a grade because of you know someone used the wrong word like it's just it's not what we're looking yep. at when we're grading a presentation. Like we're looking at the ideas, we're looking at the slides, we're looking at how you're presenting your process. We're looking at your, the rationale. Yes. Um, and we're not, it's not, 
a, a grammar class. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. One thing I flirted with is giving students the option to pre-record and submit a recorded presentation. Um, there's some reasons why I don't like it. Uh, what, how, what do you think about that? So pre-record your presentation and send it to you, right? Exactly. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, so, so for me, personally, mm. I don't like recording my voice. I don't like hearing it after I recorded it. So, you know, yeah. It's too cringeworthy. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it, it can be a good way, but like personally to me, I would rather to, to do it live in front of you um, because A, um, it's, um, it's, it's a fair way to yeah. all the other students. Um, and then B, um, presenting live in front of people, it's, I know it's, it's scary and then it's uh, unnerving, but you know, you, it's, it's, it's not too scary when you do it. And then you, you need to do it um, if you want to survive in the industry. Like, like it, it's a must-have skill. It's almost like a life skill. All right, noted, noted. And I, yeah, yeah, a lot is lost. I've got a lot. I've got a lot to reflect on, and a lot to listen to. And I'm really, really, really appreciative of your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me today. So good to hear back from you. Thanks for thanks for joining. Me.